what's left of us. Good luck. God bless. And Godspeed. Welcome back, friends. It's time for another movie review with Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. (laughs) Uh, We don't have a lot of news to share at the top. We have lofty goals of getting the Discord together this week. Uh, Next week. (laughs) Soon. We have lofty goals of getting the Discord together soon. Also going to be putting up our website, which will have links to both our Patreon and Instagram account, and we'll have a submission form if anyone wants to submit a movie for movie, television show, or book series for us to read, watch, and review. So beyond that, I guess let's just get into it. So hi. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. All right, so this one was my recommendation. Uh, mm-hmm. This Good was one. a movie I had seen a while back. I remember this showed up at, under the, when Netflix got like really specific categories. This was under visually striking thrillers. <laughs> I would describe it more as sci-fi horror, which I'm not usually a fan of sci-fi, sci-fi horror, but this one wasn't too bad. It wasn't but too bad. Monsters I think this one space. was more of a... This was definitely more psychological thriller rather than... Psychological thriller, monsters in space. Yeah. Yeah. We got a little psychological. We got a little monstery. Yeah, we got a little more horror. Horror in the sense of uh, becoming detached from your understanding of the world. Yeah. And how it works. Definitely. Uh, towards the end, we got a little more horror-y, but... Before that, it was... I would say towards the end, we get a little more psychological horror-y. Because uh, for the first part of the movie, it's pretty much jump scare monster movie. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. not really until later when um, Gallo shows up that we start getting a little psychological. Yes, definitely. And, yeah. Uh, well done. I mean, it's a well nice transition. Yeah, because it yeah. would get a little too... I mean, it gets a little monster heavy towards the end, but you're getting a nice distraction with this psychological play. All right. So the, you should have watched it before (laughs) listening to the podcast. Um, so FYI, spoiler alert. That's what Matt's getting at there. (laughs) All right. So we start out, uh, on a spaceship and like outside zooming views of you know, a spaceship in space. <laughs> implausibly shaped uh, long distance spacecraft. Oh, and there's like a timeline. It's like year, event, year, event. And year, population. Event. Oh, yeah, population. Yeah. So then 
uh, wait, the human population is way too high. Uh, people are starting to starve. And then in 2174, uh, the Elysium was launched. And the Elysium is the ship that we're zooming around, uh, getting panning shots of. And there was... With really aggressive music. Like, the soundtrack in this moment is so aggressive. Yes. <laughs> like, we are like not getting... beat. Yeah, we are not getting pensive space. We are not getting... Uh, no, this is like fight music. Right. It's it's intense. It's intense. From it's the beginning. Heavy, and it's just like right off the bat. Here you There's go. There's no pretense this, that this is a lighthearted sci-fi movie. Uh, no, no, no. No. Uh, one of the year event population things was a probe landing on a planet called Tannis. Correct. Um, and that's just the first, that, that's the, like the first hint detail. we get about Tannis. Yeah. yeah. That's the first hint we get about where this spaceship is going. And it's just kind of in the, almost the opening credits. And then we kind of don't hear about that. Anything about where the ship is going for a while. Let's see, there's, it, you zoom into the cockpit and you overhear a transmission from Earth. Uh, if you're not paying attention, it's really easy to miss it. Uh, but the transmission says, You're all that's left of us. Good luck. God bless. And Godspeed. Uh, so then we transition into like a dream sequence and then... Uh, this guy wakes up in this like hibernation pod. Yeah. And he's screaming, but it's muted. So like he starts out screaming and then we cut to the outside and it's clearly muted and you can just see him screaming. Which yes. Is the kind hibernation, of a cool the hibernation pod is soundproof. soundproof. Yeah. It was, that was kind of a cool effect because you get, you still get all that terror, but, but you don't have to live with the like screamy man for, for too long. Right. You don't have to listen to it. Yeah. Cause we just yeah. came from that driving music. Straight into, oh, soft woman, I love you, soundless dream, dream sequence. sequence to screaming man waking up in a pod. So it's nice to go, we don't just leap into that holy, we get the muted pod moment there. Just nice. Right, and that, that establishes an important fact later that the hibernation pod is soundproof. Yes. Uh, let's see. So he... F wiggles himself out of the hibernation pod and the the practical effects just like makeup look pretty cool uh because he looks like he's been in hibernation for a long time yeah he looks super gross yeah there's like this almost plastically looking layer of skin um and lots of like tubes and pipes and whatever shit uh connected to his body um Let's see. There's three pods in the room. One of them is empty. Uh, or both of them. Uh, one of them is empty and one of them has a person in it. Uh, Cooper's pod is empty. Yes. Peyton's pod has Dennis Quaid in, in it. Dennis Quaid. <laughs> um, and so he, there's kind of a montage of him kind of wandering around a bit. Um, he finds a locker. Oh, the lights fail. Oh, yeah, the lights yeah, go out right gets after out, he wakes up. Yeah, the light kind of pops and fizzes and goes out. So immediately Luckily, we're... there's lots of glow sticks around. Right. So immediately we're getting, oh, no, shit's gone sideways. Systems are failing. Yeah. Uh, and then... Which immediately establishes sort of the surreal nature of this movie. 
I mean, they don't give us a moment where it's like, oh, everything's going to be fine, guys. This was exactly what was supposed to happen. We just get like, sorry, but shit's fucked up and y'all in it. So here we right. go. And the only scene we've had so far of the ship operating correctly is the, uh, what's the main room? The bridge. The bridge. Uh, <laughs> when the, they receive the transmission. The bridge, when they receive the transmission from Earth that you're the last of us. Right, which we see the guy in the background, and he's the bad guy from Twilight, which it pains me to note. But So immediately I felt like, oh, this guy's significant, which would not have felt that way in 2009. I'm only feeling that way because I know he goes on to be in like Twilight. So he stood out a lot to me. When was Twilight released? 2009. So this would have been right after Twilight. Yeah, they're like concurrent. Wow, you're going to make me look it up. Twilight. <laughs> 2008. God, I hate, go. that. I hate that I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, if you're paying attention to the bridge scene, um, he's he kind of steps up onto the platform in the background. Yeah, he steps. Yeah, he definitely steps out to a like, see me position. Uh, let's see, he's getting dressed, he looks in the locker, and he he's reading, like, a paragraph on the inside of the locker about a notice memory about loss. Uh, temporary memory loss. Yeah. And so that's why he doesn't know uh, who, he who he is or what's, what's going, going on. on. We don't either, so hey. Right? They're just dropping us right in. Solidarity. It's so far, so good. He is wearing some magnificent tidy whities in this scene, too. Yes. Let me just tell you. They are, they're definitely, like... High tech. This guy put whities. a lot of work into his himself. Guys. <laughs> he put a lot of work into himself to immediately put on coveralls that he never again takes off. Just want to note that that is one of the several tra- travesties which are present in this film. Yeah. So, uh, but he gets he finds a locker that matches the name on his hibernation pod. He assumes that's him. Gets dressed, uh, sees a picture of the woman that from the dream sequence, uh, tries to figure out how to get out of this room. I mean, he also has a tattoo on his arm. There's, yes. We make a big to-do of him, like, inspecting this tattoo on his arm. Yeah, which is, like, FLT-004. Five? Isn't he five? Oh, he's five, yeah. He's trying to get out of this room and maybe turn the lights back on because it's still dark. And then Peyton's pod opens up well he tries to wake Peyton up he's like banging on it and he bangs on it with a big metal pole to like try to break it and it still doesn't open it so he decides to like calm himself down by laser shaving which that's right Matt was like if if I had that kind of (laughs) razor I might actually shave laser shave and uh, he's laser shaving when Dennis Quaid decides to wake up pop pop up pop out of his tube he does it much more elegantly than Bauer did. Yeah, there's not as much screaming. And he wasn't he wasn't stuck. He wasn't as disoriented. Look, Dennis Quaid's been in space before, okay? He's been in inner space. He's been That's in outer space. Outer space. <laughs> He's befriended aliens on other planets and then raised their children like Had their Dennis, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Dennis Quaid's. <laughs> He's seen some shit, okay? He knows how to pop out of a tube when he has to. All right. Uh, Peyton also doesn't know anything about what's going on after uh, Bauer helps him kind of clean up. We kind of get the sense that they're on a sleep rotation. That's what they both are kind of 
alluding to that their tattoos are like there's a certain number of crews since this flight is so long they rotate through them right and they both they both have some memories of either training or being on previous ships where you have like a two-year rotation bauer assumes this is the first time i've woken up so this must be my first shift if i'm flight team number five that means there's been eight years of yeah so we, fir- we must have been flying for eight shifts. years so we're eight years out yeah so and we've got two dudes who don't know exactly who they are we don't know how long we've been in space. We the lights are out. The lights are out. We don't know why they've woken up. We don't know where the other guy is. The doors won't open. I mean, where are you mentally right now? Like, you're watching this movie for the first time. I better ask you that question. <laughs> where, where am I? Well, I'm not a space horror person. But this is good. Like, I'm invested in this moment. This is a good mystery setup to get us started. Right, right. At this point, it's kind of a mystery. We have a couple mystery we're not pawns. in pain. Yeah. We're not starving we're not injured right we're just trying to figure out what's happening right uh they can access some systems look at uh some status uh, and then they realize the oh there's like power surges lights will come on for about 10 seconds and then go back off yeah and we do a good job of establishing a really creepy really frightening atmosphere a long time before we actually get a monster reveal. Right. Like, it's not even scary yet until... We, we don't really go into any scary elements until Bauer goes up into the ventilation like shaft. monster scary. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we definitely set up fear, though. Like, we're, we're ticking a lot of the, like, they are alone in space. No one can help them. Systems are not functioning. Systems are not functioning. They have no communications. So it's good. It's good. It's a good immediate. Yeah, they're isolated and yeah, yeah, uh, limited resources. They need to get to the other side of the door to get to the bridge. And Bauer goes up into the ventilation shafts. Bauer being not Dennis Quaid. So Dennis Quaid's right. Peyton, and then the other guy is Bauer. So he's the little guy. Right, and it turns out he remembers that he's the uh, mechanical engineer of yes. the flight team, flight team five. Uh, so he is very sure that he can fix the reactor and get systems and power back online. So he goes up into the ventilation shafts to find a path to the other side of the door so that he can open the door from the other side. Correct. And that's where things start going wrong. <laughs> they do a cool thing in here where he's like, he's, he's having a panic attack. He's yeah. having a panic attack. Claustrophobic. So he's he's having a panic attack. And there's and, all these black tubes. Right. So the tubes are like swelling and swirling in on him and it just creates this. Right. Like, like they it was a nice practical effect where yes. they like actually inflated the tubes. So he's actually getting squeezed. Yeah. It was and really... we're kind of flashing back and forth to him being compressed and stuck in the ventilation shaft versus alternating shots where He's not actually. Right. It was really it was really well done because you get that immediate sense of tension um, with him being, which, of course, it's just creepy him being in the shaft already anyway, because who <laughs> anybody with even mild claustrophobia is like, yeah, God, I feel you. That's that's horrific. We already have this huge tension that they've established just from the setup, which is great. And then he gets in the shaft and he does, he sees a spider too. So not only is it that's right claustrophobic, but he's trapped in there with a spider. So 
So then uh, Dennis Quaid, Peyton, calms him down, walks him through it. So then we're kind of establishing that Peyton has a little more command experience. Yeah. He's and lieutenant. That's right. He's the higher rank. Yep. Whereas uh, Bauer is corporal. Correct. He gets calmed down. Oh, yeah. He, He's feeling deflates. super chill. Everything's great until he realizes... And then there's some sweat on his face, and he's yes. like, something's wrong. I'm at an angle. And then he slides <laughs> down whoosh, yes. uh, and ends up stopping himself right before he slams into a grate going down into a hallway as he's like, whoo, I didn't smash my face into this grate. He finds Cooper. He finds Cooper. Hey, the desiccated corpse of Cooper. Yeah. Uh, but hey, Cooper. Cooper's been there for at least several years drying out in the ventilation duct mm, yeah uh so now we're establishing a little bit more timeline of how long has the ship been non-functional and so he ends up opening the the grate uh the hatch falls down into the into a literal boot locker yeah it's a room full of lockers full of boots <laughs> uh <laughs> he says i mean i'm in a boot locker and then he opens the door and then falls down like another eight feet into the room. And he's like, make that an overhead compartment. Yeah. yeah. Full of boots. Full of boots. <laughs> I mean, okay. It's just an interesting storage choice. Which they kind of, I kind of expected more to happen with the boots. Maybe more the, did happen with the boots. This movie definitely feels like it has missing scenes. There was... Um, there's an upcoming scene where someone tells him to take off his boots. Yeah. We never revisit that. She's just barefoot for the entire movie. Uh, so He's he, like, he could have been like, dude, you want boots? I fucking got boots. I got a whole fucking room of boots. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to take mine. You don't need to take mine. I know where there's more. I'll show you. <laughs> uh, but this chick jumps out. He, he leaves the room, starts walking down the hallway. Uh, he sees... A lady run past, follows her, and then ends up getting attacked by her. She pins him down. Well, he sees that body hanging. Yeah, she runs past him. He looks at the hanging body, and then she pins him while he's distracted by the hanging body. Yes, yeah. So we're thinking, is this a distraction that she set up? Because we kind of see the silhouette, like someone standing in the hallway. Right. And, and then he approaches it and realizes it's a like disemboweled dead person hanging, hanging person. from the yeah. neck and then while he's kind of like Ugh, she knocks him down and she kicks him kicks his ass for the first of many times in this movie yeah she's pretty hardcore yeah uh she's the chick from man of steel yes she's one she's of the Feora. uh then we start establishing the uh, i guess the the disemboweled figure hanging is like the first horror element. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, we got something scary. This is our second dead body. Right. But this, that was a guy got trapped in the ventilation shaft. Yeah. And just dried out. This guy was hung by some wire and we can see some stuff rigged up in the uh, beams and he's disemboweled. Yeah. Like, okay. This is a completely different animal from someone stuck in the ventilation shaft. That's kind of the introduction to the horror element because then some monsters show up. At first, oh, they're people. But yeah, then we get a we close get up of their light, face. Like yes. their flashlights. And we see like a humanoid shape kind of crouched. Yep. Uh, 
but then we get a close up of faces that are very uh, deformed. Well, humanoid. we get a jump scare because he backs into that room and then something runs past and we get. The yeah, light. he's he's running away from the humanoid figures with the blue lights and he kicks his uh, glow stick down the hallway uh, instead of being right in front of that door. And then he backs into the boot locker room. Right. And, and then, then we get the like whoosh sound yeah, that you always whoosh. get in uh, horror movies when yeah. something As the scary bad, runs by the door. Bad guy runs past the door. Yeah. But we get an attempt at a jump scare here. Although the whole general tension is so high, I'm not sure. how I didn't jump, but I'm not the best jump scare person. But I mean, it's, it's fine. It's good. We get immediately get, oh, okay, this isn't just a mystery. This is a horror mystery. Right now, now there's a, an enemy. There's something hunting. Oh, yeah. And his comm, which has been broken, suddenly gets better as soon as they He's creep in into range. the room. I'm thinking it's a just a point-to-point -point, like communication device. They're not tapped into like the ship's systems. Yeah. And so when he came out of that ventilation shaft, he came out of range. Right. And so he climbs back up into the overhead compartment close to the ventilation shaft and his comm starts working as the person not person is like <laughs> sniffing around the room right and he freezes grabs it to shut it up and and then we see uh the thing open a door there's a scream and then it's dragging a body out of the room and we're like, oh, man, did he get taken? But then we switch back to him up in the ventilation shaft, and Cooper's body is gone. Uh, R.I.P. Cooper. R.I.P. Uh, Cooper was already dead. <laughs> R.I.P. says Cooper. So we don't know what uh, what they're doing with the bodies yet. Yet. I mean, we can guess. It, we, we can guess. They're eating the bodies. <laughs> Ew, Cooper's a little like jerky. <laughs> In the engineering room, Dennis Quaid is sitting at the console and he's pulling up information. Uh, he was able to run like a power <laughs> diagnostic on the reactor. There may have been some information about like souls on board. Yeah, but we do get a flashback to establish that Tannis is a nearby has habitable planet. And so this is a group of settlers. This is a one-way trip. Yes. Because we kind of had like a, okay, maybe we can call for help vibe. But no, there's nobody. Yeah, they summarized some details about the status of the ship, the, the capabilities of the ship from the engineering room. And they conclude, this is a one-way trip. There's too many people on board, and we're traveling too fast, and... Uh, we're too far away, basically, uh, to be any kind of just in in our normal solar system. Right. And then he asks Peyton about his wife. Yes. Yeah. Bauer Peyton's asks like, Peyton Peyton's about like, Peyton's wife. My wife. <laughs> I have a wife. And uh, he hints that they were all kind of sent in pairs to right. the settling the, It's like, do you remember the breeding tests for the recruitment? Whatever, uh, Bauer kind of remembers a little piece of that. Yeah. Uh, and Peyton 
doesn't doesn't really make a whole lot. It just is like a you've seen the movie, so this isn't a spoiler spoiler alert. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because he says they were all sent in pairs and there was a breeding test. But then we find out that the reason Bauer even got on the ship is because his wife left him. Right. His wife left. He. I think he was going to go on the ship. No, no. He. She dumped him. And as he's leaving, he sees a commercial that's like, you should sign up and get on this ship to go to Tannis. Because that's why the, the lady... Well, I'm thinking he wanted to go. And he was like, I'm, I want to go. And she was like, no. And then he's like, well, shit. Yeah. I guess I'll go by myself. So he went alone. I mean, either way, he went alone. Right. And, but in this scene, he's implying that they went in pairs. And then... Peyton doesn't remember his wife, which doesn't really matter. But later he sees the can, like the empty. A pod. Hibernation pod. pod. Yeah, empty can. (laughs) They look like cans. But the empty hibernation pod for Peyton's wife. And he's like, I remember. (laughs) But we don't ever establish whether Bauer and Peyton had a previous relationship. Well, I I think they didn't want to reveal the twist at the end that early well i mean yeah obviously because if they'd had a flashback to bauer and peyton kind of palling around during training no no i mean obviously they okay obviously they didn't but he sees peyton's wife's empty hibernation chamber and he says i remember but we never establish what it is that he remembers right not until the end where he says uh they're like oh well uh, Peyton's in here, right? And he says, that's not Peyton. Or he's not Peyton. Right. Right, that's the only... That's Right, and then he gives the that long... We anyway, okay, that well, we'll get to it. I mean, we'll get to this at the end. I have a lot of questions about this whole... This interaction, I know where we're going with this. We're supposed to be like, oh, he doesn't remember how he has a wife. That poor guy. Not, oh, that's actually not Peyton, and he really doesn't have a wife. Like, we're not supposed to get that from this interaction. But... Looking back, you do, of course, because you know how it ends. But this doesn't, it makes sense in a setup sense, but it doesn't really resolve, I think, the way they want it to resolve. Right. But anyway. Okay, so then. Segway. Okay, so then he finds, so he's he's asking Peyton to give him directions to the reactor. Uh, He finds an equipment room, checks out an anti-riot, non-lethal weapon thing. I don't know why he doesn't get any other equipment. You would think in an <laughs> anti riot room. That's the only thing. I think it's only those little handheld weapons. Right, but you might have armor or something. He's not really in. It's just like a kiosk in the hallway. Right, but in a ship where you have a large number of people potentially, or like after you settle, like the room with the anti-riot equipment you would expect more comprehensive set of yeah, equipment this falls into the category so of this ends up movie being under equipped this movie tries just hard enough it it's a not a i'm not saying it's a bad movie but it tries just hard enough so they know this guy needs a weapon but if you give him anything else they have to work harder plot wise so let's just yeah. give him a weapon it's fine if he's armored, the tension gets a little bit less. So they're trying just hard right. enough. They just don't make it very plausible that right. he would be this 
on under equipped. Uh, okay, so I, I guess that's the that's the kind of the plot hole there. Is yeah. They're not justifying why he only gets this one little handgun thing. He looks down and his hand is shaking. And that's when he's like, hey, Peyton, have you ever heard of Pandorum? Right, so reference to the movie title. <laughs> like, uh, oh, look, there's the movie and title. And Peyton tells the story about people on like deep space missions that go crazy and... Yeah, because someone sometime in the first act must state the theme. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> and then... So that would be Peyton. <laughs> and then this great line... Oh, uh, yeah, at, at the end of his story about... Uh, as, as the example of Pandorum, uh, we get this line. At least we didn't wake up floating away in a coffin. And then we realize Bauer's being followed. Yep. Uh, see, he finds another hanging guy, but it's... It's a different one. Different body. Yeah, he thinks he's hallucinating at first because we just had that, like, is it Pandorum? Does thing? Bauer have Pandorum? Oh, no. Uh, but no, he's not hallucinating. It's a completely different guy. In fact, it's Norman Reedus. And he's still alive. And he's still alive. Yes, and he realizes it's a booby trap because he's an engineer. Yeah, his engineering sense tells him that this is probably a booby trap on account of there's a bunch of pulleys and wires and shit. Right. <laughs> Normally uh, so, people don't set up pulleys and wires to hang. So themselves. the guy's kind of thrashing. Uh, he holds him still, tells him, I'll get you down, uh, engineers it, and snips the right wire and gets the guy down. And this guy is. Yeah, he's dropping a lot of F-bombs. And what I want to know is, was this in the script? Or, or did, did he, he just improvise? show up and he was like, bitch, you know who you hired. <laughs> and he just started throwing him in. Because there's not a ton of cussing in this movie. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not PG, obviously, because there's a lot of people getting eaten and stuff. But there's not a lot of cussing. But this guy, it's like every other word. And he right. is aggressively angry for somebody who got caught in a trap. He's like, you don't know anything. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how to survive. Be like, okay, well, which one of us got caught in a trap here? Oh, that'd be you. I think this would have been a good opportunity to reveal some kind of information, even if it's information that the viewer is already aware of. Yeah. Just for the sake of Bauer getting a little bit better idea. Because even at this point, the viewer knows more than Bauer does. And they're keeping Bauer in the dark, like, unreasonably. Yeah. yeah. But this guy is angry and unhelpful, and he's just, like, aggressively upset about how little Bauer knows, even though he doesn't know anything more. And he's like, I, you got to leave. You're going to get me killed. And then he gets recaptured and killed, like, <laughs> immediately. Right. Very short chase scene. Yeah. But then and Bauer tries to shoot one of them, and it's a really interesting scene because he shoots his riot gun. He gets all dramatic. He points it. He pulls the trigger. And, oh, there's a glass wall between them that he didn't notice until that moment. <laughs> Which, it doesn't shatter. It does. It, it just attracts attention it to It just him. attracts attention. And we get our first introduction to what these things look like. Right. Which, they're very... Almost human, noseless, bony, 
creepy. Just like gross tribal type. Kind of uh, goblin-y. Goblin-y, I guess. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings goblin-y. Yeah, except without the big eye. Well, they kind of have big eyes, I guess. Yeah. Not human. That's what we're getting. Maybe was human at one time. Not human now. Right. So then he's running away from them. They're chasing. Uh, he trips on a, a tripwire. It snags around his foot. He goes off a ledge inside of this ship. There's just giant empty spaces. Yeah, there's a lot of... Un- it, this is not well laid out. Like... The, uh, the, it kind of, yeah. Some of the layout reminds me of Event Horizon, mm. where the ship is laid out uh, really weirdly. And you have just spaces created to produce an effect in yeah. the viewer that are not like, practical. Uh, practical. Yeah. yeah, this ship looks like it was designed by committee. Like they told the set team, you can have anything you want. Can we have big pits? Yeah, fine. You can have big pits. Okay. Where's the gravity okay. coming from? Okay. So when we have the hypersleep, where the when we have the hypersleep chamber, do we have to like stack them efficiently, or can they just be poking out willy nilly in like what, spherical chambers just and shit? Haphazardly, <laughs> haphazardly stacked, stacked shipping containers. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no. Shipping containers get haphazardly stacked, yeah. but sixteen thousand hibernating people can't be stacked efficiently. Oh no, we all need like ten to right, fifteen. It, it's feet like of a space circular stadium us. with tiers, and it kind of looks like the like the Mako reactor in Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> And you have the pods where, like, cloud was grown. Yeah. Uh, and they're just, like, yeah, they're, like, 15, 20 feet apart. Right. At an angle. It, it's clearly uh, yeah. set up for a fight scene. Like, not right. set up for, like, it's efficient, not efficient space. Human no, 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 storage. No. Yeah. It's so we can weave around these while we're battling each other. Oh, so he fall, he, he, uh, he gets caught on that tripwire. He falls down the pit of nonsense. And then he, he gets, grabs a bundle of wires. Yes. And he has this line tied around his foot. And then he's holding on tight, trying to stay quiet. But then they start pulling the line <gasps> until the Asian ninja guy shows up <laughs> and cuts the wire. The agricultural team member. The ninja <laughs> that doesn't speak English. No. There should be a common language. Of all the people on the ship. Unless you have a translator. Like, unless you have a universal, a functioning universal translator that's not functioning. Yeah. Matt did uh, his, like, head bob. I don't uh, know. God, yeah, I don't uh, think so. Bleh. Here's falls into, this movie is trying just hard enough. <laughs> right. It's purely so they can't exchange information. Yes. Th- this is a plot mechanism. It's a heavy-handed plot mechanism because it doesn't make a ton of sense that they're letting this team... Oh, I guess... Yeah. You could have ha- even had him be mute, right? Well, yeah. Like give him a, a mouth injury or a tongue injury, and he can't talk. And it, I think Yeah, it but then he would have understood English. And part yeah. of it is that this guy also doesn't understand English. Right. So. Which is very implausible. Or uh, <laughs> a colony ship. 
Oh, and he's lost his communicator and all the kerfuffle. So he yes, can't so even he talk can't to communicate Peyton anymore. Peyton. No, we're out of contact with Peyton. So we get a flashback to Peyton. In the engineering room. Yes, and he's trying to break through the door. And he hears things, something in the ventilation Something shuffling shaft. around. Yeah. So he seals the shaft just as his nose starts bleeding. And we cut back to Bauer. Uh, is there a handshake scene with uh, Peyton also? Handshake scene? Like shaky hand? No, just the nose okay. bleeding. Yeah, okay. no. Because we've already established that shaking hands is a pandorum right. symptom. And nosebleeds. Oh, is it? And ear bleeds. Yeah, but we haven't talked about that yet. It, it was just in uh, the visualization of Peyton's story. Oh, yeah. Right. But the guy uh, had blood coming we're, out we're of all the orifices. We're leaving that as a subtle, maybe Peyton isn't as well as he appears. Right. All right. Then, uh, then the lady shows up again. Do we actually find out what her name is? I'm not sure that we ever actually do because she's not wearing enough clothing to hold a name tag. What's There's she going to do? Clothing there. Pin it to her ample decolletage? She doesn't have anywhere to put it. She kind of has a like uniform like jacket that's been had like the sleeves ripped off. It looks like a smaller friend of hers died and she cannibalized her outfit. Yes. And I, she can't I'll agree zip with it that. all the way up. Yeah, it, it, it looks like <laughs> she's wearing a size too small. Uh but let's see, uh Ninja Guy and Bauer end up in the room of haphazardly stacked shipping containers and uh, German lady shows up and then she's kind of jumping around almost like she's wearing a wire like like encroaching old... tiger hidden dragon yes like yeah Bauer climbs up on one fires off the gun anti-riot gun to just get everybody's attention which hey it's the first time he successfully hit anything with it he hit their attention he hit their attention uh, makes a speech I understand that it's felt like Every man for himself. We're going to get out of this. A little fucking solidarity goes a long way. And uh, convinces her to guide them all to the reactor so he can fix things. And they don't all have to die when the ship fails. She takes them down the hall and then... They have to wait for a power surge to get into her, like, lab space. Yes, they're in the hallway. They hear baddies. Uh, I don't think they have a name for them. Bonies. Bonies? They call them bonies? No, but we can call them bonies. We'll call them bonies. Okay, the bonies are coming. They hear them skittering around the hallways, and she's just standing at this door with her hand on a hand scanner, she's which like, is not wait. operational because the power's off. Wait. And they're like, we got to go. She keeps her hand there. Just wait. She's waiting for a power surge. Uh, so just as the bonies get close, power surge comes on. Her, The hand scanner comes online, scans her in. She opens the door. They get through, closes behind them. They're safe. Booyah. And they're in her sweet pad. Yeah, her pretty sweet pad. It's pretty nice. 
It's like uh, the Noah's Ark part of the ship, which is again ninety-eight percent wasted space. Right. It's just a giant. <laughs> it reminds me of Cerebro from the X Men movie. <laughs> it does look like Cerebro because it's a big like wall of twinkly lights, which are supposed to be uh, plant the, the and genetic animal. Samples. And, yeah, the entire biosphere of the Earth transported in the ship, which. We established in the earlier flashback that Tannis has plant and animal life. Right. Are they going to completely eradicate yes, which the means natural life on Tannis? <laughs> Apparently part of our colonization efforts will be to destroy all life on Tannis and replace it with all life from Earth. Uh, they kind of did something similar in one of the Expanse books. Mm. They end up on this uh, alien planet that has life, and the plan was... To have this like very insulated community with minimal contamination, so that way they could study the native life on this planet. But then settlers show up, like elite people just show up at the planet before the like officially sanctioned uh, colony squatters leaves. Yes, yeah, squatters show up and um, you know claim mineral rights or whatever. They start mining for stuff, but they just throw their shit everywhere and. Uh, contaminate the biosphere. God, I hate realistic sci-fi books. <laughs> I don't want to know humanity is going to be shitty still in the future. That's why I watch Star Trek. Because I want to believe we're going to be better. Yeah. So thanks for convincing me not to read that book. Yeah, like you were going to read that. <laughs> I might have. You if, might have. If somebody recommended it using our new recommendation feature on our website, I might have. But... The feature that will exist ah, maybe oh yes. by the time this podcast is released. Depends on if you can write a website faster than I can edit audio. That's a challenge. <laughs> challenge accepted. Back to the movie. We do establish that pretty much everybody has lost all of their memories of the time before the ship. Or yes. BS, as we should call it from here on out. <laughs> uh, German lady whose name in on IMDb is Nadia. But I'm not okay. sure that she ever introduces herself as Nadia. Says, Nadia is like six months BS. Yeah. Bauer is like six hours BS. <laughs> it works, okay? <laughs> I, I, I like this chronological system. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we're hanging out in Nadia's pad. Uh, and uh, she says... How could we become like this in only eight years? This ship was built to outlast our children's children. I think we've been asleep longer than you think. Quote number 47, I guess. <laughs> That's the time in the movie that I need to look for to get it. Okay. Then we cut back to Peyton. Peyton's oh, like... But wait. Let me let me address the fact that she says, I think we've been asleep longer than we think. Because Nadia is the only person who consistently guesses correctly about what is happening on this ship. So I just want it to escape no one's notice that the only female character in the entire movie it's also the most astute. It's also the most astute. She knows what's up. She survived a really long time. Her only real failing 
is that she tried to steal a man's boots when she was like 15 feet away from a room full, full of, of boots. boots. <laughs> okay, so uh, she has a little bit of her story. They chat a little bit. Then we cut back to Peyton. Back to Peyton. And Peyton is uh, like tweaking. He's having a rough time. Uh, some dude, like the wall gives birth to a dude. Yes. The the <laughs> the ventilation, uh, some, some opening gives birth to a greasy <laughs> naked man. <laughs> <laughs> he has no uniform, uh, but he seems to have all of his memories. And he's traumatized. Yeah, and he says he comes from the bridge, and it's the Twilight guy from the bridge from the very beginning. Yes. Yeah, he was on the bridge when they received the message from Earth. Uh, so Peyton kind of gets him cleaned up. He says his name is Gallo. Oh, he does not clean him up. Oh, yes. That's, no. That's a good point. Yeah, he does not. At this point, this guy is just like freaking out, incoherent, and then he passes out. And that's yeah. it. We've cut from Peyton back to Bauer, and Bauer's like, "Oh, they're passing through that okay. like." Yeah. So Nadia, uh, Nadia's like Nadia and Bauer kind of pop up into this room. It's like the stadium, like stacked tiers With where like all the hibernation ten pods hibernation are, pods in it, like way too far apart. Yeah. And she says she usually doesn't go this far or this deep uh, because this is their main hunting ground. Uh, so anyway, they climb out, they start walking around and then he, Bauer gets really fixated on his wife. He's like, this is where the people would be like the companions, like the other, yeah, these whatever. Are, this would be flight crew families. And he's suddenly really fixated on his wife, even though he knows that the reactor is an imminent failure. Yeah. He's the only one who can fix it. They urgently need to get there regardless of who is in any of these hibernation pods the most important thing to do right now is hey needs to get to the reactor and fix it look from bauer's point of view like six hours ago he was having a sex dream yeah he, he might just be really horny i mean then he woke up he got thrown out into this world and shit's messed up but my wife is somewhere on this ship and, you know, he was just having a uh, pleasantly white, bright dream. And he just very wants to get gentle, back to that. soft. Yeah, dream. no, it doesn't make any sense that he's fixated on his wife. It feels Unless like, he's suffering from Pandorum. It just feels like real heavy handed attempt at like a tension building thing here. Like we can't have him logical and focused because we're not going to get the. Uh, the tension we were hoping to get out of this moment. So we got to right. add a if, little, if he was, we got a little, add a little something, something. So let's have him be upset about his wife, which, but it, it doesn't come off as, except as a way to remind the viewer about the fact that he and Peyton supposedly have partners somewhere on this ship. Okay. So then they're walking through. Oh, they when they first climbed up into this room, Ninja Guy goes on like high alert and looks the other way, and uh, she's like, "He's hunting, leave him." And Bauer's like, 
but he needs to come with us. But, like, but my we're friend, a, though. We're a team. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend. But my friend. <laughs> he was my first friend. He saved my life. I don't know what he's saying. That just makes it nicer to be around him. Okay, so they walk down. Ninja guys off somewhere else. Uh, they end up falling through one of the floor grates into this like cesspool of human remains. Yeah, it's uh, gross. Under these like turbine fan blades. Which make no sense. Which we were pretty sure there was going to be a tense moment. So he climbs out and then she's getting ready to climb out. We were like, the fan blades are going to turn on when the power surges. Missed that didn't happen. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. You can't put Chekhov's a, rifle. You can't put a big ass fan in a sci-fi horror movie like that. Have them fall into a cesspool of rotting bodies. A constrained space with giant fan blades. Yeah. And then the fan blades have, it, have to turn on. Don't they do turn on. No. When they're in the water, they turn on and spin and then they stop, don't oh, they? Okay. Um but I don't know if it's like implied that they're in danger. It's not. It just it happens when the bad guys are running by. So right. So that's it, kind it, of why it just gives us it. It gives them enough cover. It gives them enough cover, and it gives us that like photo flash view of the bad guys running by as like the strobing spins. effect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's purely for effect because he climbs out after the bad guys pass over. And then he tries to pull her out, but apparently she can leap small buildings, but she can't fucking lift herself out of this tiny little spot. Where's her wire now? Where's your wire now? <laughs> so he climbs out first, and of course, uh, he gets attacked. He gets attacked. She does end up climbing out, and then Ninja Guy shows up. Well, she rescues him. She like throws herself at the guy. Right, but then Ninja up. Guy shows up and all three of them are fighting this one bony and <laughs> uh, poorly. Uh, Matt said that's probably exactly what a D&D &D fight looks like. <laughs> right, where you have three like low level characters fighting one enemy who's rated at the difficulty level for a team of that level. <laughs> Right. It's just they're all wailing on this person, on this enemy, and the enemy is just hitting back harder. And anyway, they, they end up end up killing the bony and uh getting away. Oh wait, just as a hibernation pod opens up and a guy kind of wakes up like, what's going on here? I've been asleep for a long time. And Bauer is trying to get back to this hibernation pod to save the person and Nadia and Ninja are pulling him away. It's like, but we got to save him. Uh, no, you're not going to save him. Anyway, uh, they get away. And then, uh, guy that just woke up gets kind of eaten alive Kind of eaten alive, sort of. I feel like at this point in the movie, we're relying on the inherent grossness of like rotting flesh, cannibalism to keep us like in because we've already had the monster reveal and we're getting tons of monster. So right. we're getting a lot of FaceTime with the bonies. So they're starting to lose their. Inherent shock value. Their inherent shock value. 
So we're having to dredge shock value up. So we get pits of rotting corpses. We get dudes waking up only to be eaten immediately alive. Lots of hitting a lot of Setting phobias the tone. here. Setting the tone. Hitting a lot of phobias here. So the deeper we, we go, the worse the bonies get. Right. Then we jump back to, to Peyton, Peyton and Gallo. Yeah. And he's trying to get more out of Gallo because Gallo is woken back up. But he's still dirty. In this moment, but he's yes. dressed at least. Oh no, he's got like a sheet draped over him, and he's he's got a good creep vibe going. I mean, this guy already looks creepy. Everything that he's in, I've always felt he looks creepy. So he's, this was a good casting choice because he's got a good creep vibe going, and he's just hammering, hammering the Pandorum thing. They are just really trying to justify this title because I think if if you did a shot. Every time this guy said Pandora, you wouldn't make it through this movie alive. Yeah, you'd you'd, you'd be drinking as much as I did during the Highlander episode, <laughs> which explains the Highlander episode. <laughs> okay, so I think we get a little bit more detail out of a little bit more info out of Gallo. Some, some, yeah. Uh, is this where Gallo says he killed? His He's like, crewmates? I did what I had to do. They were both of them at the same time. He's like, I know the odds were astronomical and all, but like both of them had Pandorum at it, the same it's, time. It's an emotional trigger, and there was an emotional event. They were traumatized by it, and it triggered their Pandorum. Uh, yeah, it triggered their Pandorum, not mine. But not mine. Totally not mine. Not mine. I did what I had to do to save the ship. <laughs> I guess we cut back to Bauer. Bauer and the team. Uh, there's the A team down there, <laughs> the the B team, the Bauer team, oh, the Bauer team. There you go. Uh, there's some kind of uh, goopy stuff on the walls. Oh no, that we get to that crewmate with like they go through a door and they seal it up behind them, and then they realize that oh. they're kind of at the bottom of a shaft, and there's a dude up above them. Yeah, there's like a catwalk. Higher up in the room. Yeah. And there's somebody up there. And they're stuck down in the bottom of this room. Uh, and they're trying to have a conversation. And he ends up uh, telling the story of Gallo. But before that, Nadia gets another moment where she calls it right. Because she's talking about where did these creatures come from? Because Bauer's like, where did these people come from? And so she reminds him that they had an accelerator in their hyperbunk cocktail, obviously, and they may have made some of the crew adapt to the ship because they were supposed to adapt to the environment of Tannis as soon as they got out. So what if these people have adapted to the ship instead? Which apparently means making Instead of cannibals. adapting to the planet Tannis. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they can move around the ship really well and... They're hyper-violent, and there's some kind of uh, food supply available at random intervals. (laughs) Yeah, when people wake up. So she's talking about that, and that's when the guy up above on the catwalk... Chimes in. Chimes in. And he's like, ho, ho, I know what happened. And so he has apparently made a mural. He's carved it into the walls. He's carved a mural into the wall. So he's got way more BS than even Nadia does. He's like... Oh, he's been around longer. He's been before. around a long time. Yeah. 
yeah. his before ship memories. <laughs> <laughs> they run a lot deeper, uh, yeah. a lot deeper than Nadia's. Uh, so he talks about what's happening. And then we do go back to the to Peyton right after we get like a... So apparently the transmission that they got, which conveniently he gives this entire story in rhyme. <laughs> and we slept. We slept a slumber so deep that no one had did before. As three little Indians who left mine the store. Especially at he's, the beginning. He's practiced it a lot. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, for a plot reveal, it's good. It's good. It doesn't feel and like I think it works dump. with the, the, the scrawled, like engraved, like yeah. pictograms on the wall, like flashing between those and this guy dramatically telling the story. Yeah. It definitely like kind of carries the whole momentum of the movie so far. Right. It makes it feel a little bit less exposition dumpy but we find out that the transmission arrived and what it was really saying was uh yeah earth's gone and you guys are the last people the last humans so don't fuck it up <laughs> peace <laughs> or i think they say good luck and godspeed and godspeed right and then uh, one of the members of the people on the bridge, because there was only three people awake at the time, one of them lost their shit and killed the other two and then started playing games with all the passengers. And right. so that's what got them to where they are now. And we're jumping back and forth between this guy telling us what's happening and Peyton telling, or Gallo telling Peyton what, what's he, did. what he did. Right. So we're we're kind of establishing that the the lone guy in this random guy's story is and, Gallo. And Gallo in Gallo's story are the same person. Right. And Gallo is now clean. Yes. yes. Gallo is mysteriously Gallo is mysteriously clean and wearing clothes. Yes. He's wearing a uniform. Yes. Um and I did we see his tattoo yet? No, no, because, uh, no. It, it was still while he was laying on the floor wrapped up in a sheet, Peyton went over and got a look at his tattoo and saw he was Flight Team 4. Okay, we've seen Gallo's tattoo. Yes, we've yes. seen Gallo's tattoo. Yes. We know Gallo was Flight Team 4, which means he was the um, first, he was the last flight team to be on a regular rotation. Right. So Gallo, when he, after he killed his crewmates, just took over the ship, turned off, like disabled the crew rotation, and just kind of had his way with the ship for yeah. a while. Yeah, and we're getting he, the... And then he got bored and went back into hypersleep. Right. We're getting the... There's two different ways that people react to the idea that everything that they've ever known is gone. So you either realize you are now the one who has to uphold all the authority and the rules and the law uh, that you previously ascribed to, or you get the all morality is gone, all gods are dead, I am the new morality, I am the new god, people. Right. So clearly, that's how Gallo felt. If Earth is dead, then God is dead. 
So I am God. All right. So then after after new guy up on the catwalk finishes his story, he I think it's like interspersed with the story, but he's cooking. Right? He's yeah. cooking them something. He says something. he's a chef. And he's using a motor oil base. He says there's not much you can do with a motor oil base. Yeah. But okay, whatever. Um and so then he puts stuff in a basket and lowers it down, which he has all this stuff rigged up. Right. Which they don't. <laughs> which means he's done this before. <laughs> right. But they haven't seen any other people. So anyway, then everybody. Uh, I don't know if any if everybody eats or not, but then everybody starts feeling woozy and passes yeah, out, knocks them out and wakes up. Hanging by their feet. I think it's supposed to be gas. Yes, because they're lower in the room. Right. The gas. And Nadia tries to open the door. Yeah. Uh, to let fresh air in, or to get out, one or the other. Uh, then they wake up and they're hanging upside down. So, uh, I noted that Bauer tried to roll roll a charisma check to get them out of being <laughs> eaten. <laughs> Successfully. Successfully. Natural twenty. Yes, because he he uh, convinces the cannibal. Not to cannibalize them. So, that's good. Uh, in fact, to help them. So now, player four has entered the game. <laughs> Woohoo! This is the finding your... Finding your... Uh, party members? Yeah, finding your party members part of the uh, sci-fi horror. <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> horror movie. We've got a... Uh, We've now got, we got five people on the team. We got Peyton, we got Nadia, Ninja, uh, Bauer, and and okay. new new guy. Yeah, so Nadia's a rogue, obviously. All right, all right, all right. Oh Character no, no, no! Classes? No, Nadia's a a uh, druid because yep. she's Ninja guy's a monk. Yeah, Ninja guy's a monk. Nadia's a druid because she's the one who's uh trying to like transport all the life. She's like the biologist. Yes. Yeah. So she's the druid. Bauer. It's paladin. Bauer's absolutely a paladin. He's, he's fucking yeah. a paladin. He's a paladin. Yeah, absolutely. And then cannibal guy. Would he be a rogue? Or, or maybe sorcerer. a warlock? Could be a bard. He did just tell the entire backstory in rhyme. He did. Yes. Yeah. He had a big lore dump. Yeah. I'm going to go bard. Yeah. What does that make Peyton? Maybe Peyton's the warlock. Hmm. Yeah. Because he's made a deal with dark powers. Oh yeah, I like that. All right, good. We've got we've got the character classes for for our found party. Sweet. Okay, so so Peyton is a warlock, and Gallo is his patron. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. All right, there you go, guys. <laughs> Let's make the D&D <laughs> classes for the movie characters. <laughs> I got to roll up some sheets. <laughs> uh, let's see. We we cut back to Peyton and Gallo. Uh, Gallo's nose was bleeding, and he's he's super worked up. So it's like he's got Pandorum <laughs> because we got to throw that word around. I mean, we're getting we're getting pretty close to the end here because. Uh... After he rolls that charisma check and he convinces the cannibal guy not to eat them, he gets Peyton to run a made-up name test 
Which I imagine in the script just said tech, tech, test. Yes, like in, like in the old Star Trek uh, yeah. scripts, tech, it would tech. just say, so-and-so text the tech, and then the <laughs> the science consultants would fill in the words yeah, with he, jargon. He tech, tech, tests the uh, reactor. And, and he's got 47 and minutes surprise, left. surprise, you've got 47 minutes to live. And so they have to make it to the reactor. Uh, ASAP. We cut back to Peyton and Gallo. How do you think you would react if you knew the truth? The truth about what? And Peyton is trying to give Gallo an injection. Yeah, sedation. Uh, but ends up putting him in the hibernation pod. And Gallo is just madman ranting at him. And so Peyton hits the mute switch. Because... Uh, He's inside the hibernation pod. We established very early on that the hibernation pods are completely soundproof. Right. He can still hear Gallo in the hibernation pod. Even when he's muted. Even after he hits the mute switch. <gasps> so now, whoa. Oh, oh, snap. Gallo's not normal or... Gallo's not actually there, and Gallo is just in Peyton's head. You do not want to go in there, Corporal! What are you going to tell them, huh? Bauer will be coming back here! Shut up. They'll know what you did. We're getting a lot of, we're getting a lot of really well-done illusion in this scene to the yes, fact it's that extremely well executed illusion because yeah, we get a part where gallo is yelling and you see only the back of dennis quaid's head and you see the back of gallo's head so and he kind of does sure. like the shoulder stretch like the shoulder movement like he's screaming yeah and we're we're hearing gallo like yell screaming but we're seeing peyton dennis quaid from behind like throwing his head back shoulders yeah, open up. moving as if he is the one speaking. Right. And we also established that Gallo's nose is bleeding, but then when Peyton goes to do something on the control... It's after Gallo breaks out of the hibernation chamber, we see the control board, and it has blood drips all over it. Yeah. So while Gallo has been ranting, pacing around the room, his nose has been dripping, and we've been seeing blood drops hitting a metallic surface. Right. And it's implied that it's just him pacing around the room, dripping blood on the floor. But then after, let's see, Gallo breaks out of the hibernation pod. Peyton gets the injection gun and tries to pin him down. And then their arms merge. We can see if we can finally see Peyton's tattoo on his arm and it's the same as Gallo's tattoo. And then their arms merge together. And oh snap, they're the same person. And then <gasps> Peyton's face is all covered in blood dripping from his nose. Right, because they were the same person all along. Right. But up until this time, Peyton's face had still been clean. We also, in the midst of all that, get Bauer seeing Peyton's wife's capsule and just saying, I remember Yes, they're in another room of hibernation pods. He also remembers that his wife dumped him. Yep. So. Which opens up the 
Opens up Nadia as a love interest. Yeah, because Nadia's like, well, then she saved your life. <laughs> oh, did she? Either way, she's dead. Yeah, so I'm so glad that she influenced me into being on this spaceship where I'm being chased by actual fucking cannibals. <laughs> this was Monster definitely cannibals. worth the divorce. The B team, the found party, finally make it down to the reactor. And all the bad dudes are cuddled up for sleepy time underneath right, the reactor. <laughs> there's like chambers underneath it. It reminds me of like the Titanic. The ship had like bulkheads separating like <laughs> yeah. chambers of the ship. Yeah. But this one, it's a circular room and like pie cut sections of the circle are separated by these bulkheads. But then each of these bulkhead separated chambers are filled with sleeping cannibal monster things. So they're walking across this bridge to the reactor control panel and the bridge collapses. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Bauer slips. He's hanging off. Anyway, he ends up falling down, yeah. covering himself plot, plot, in plot, like plot, plot, plot. We ended skins. up, we end up covered in discarded skin. Gross. Yeah. Which they're kind of stretching for the like scary aspect of the movie. They're, <sighs> they've shifted from like, uh, well-executed, like, psychological thriller horror into just gore. I think we're doing so much hop-hop here between between the psychological horror that we're supposed to be getting with, like, the Peyton Gallo situation and the classical horror, monster horror, space horror that we're getting from the Bauer team that they're really ramping both up at the same time. To make both feel impactful. I think they, I think the gore aspect kind of detracts from the plot. Well, we're trying to get an equal tone here because right. we just hit a real high note in the Peyton storyline. Right. If we went back over and they just fixed the reactor without any of this shit happening, it would feel a lot less. It would feel a lot less important. It already has become a slightly more bore. I want to go back to Peyton. I want to know what's happening there. Right. I'm, I don't even care if this reactor bur breaks down or whatever anymore. Just can we have Bauer fixing it in the background? So what they're trying to do is be like, okay, guys, there's a reason we're still showing you. Oh, Bauer. Keep the intensity up. We're for trying the Bauer to keep scene. the intensity of both up. We have intensity over here. We have to match intensity over here. So. Clearly, if this guy, the big reveal is he's actually the same person, then we have to have something equally intense, which I guess equated to wrapping ourselves in dead people's right. skin. I, th I think a better option, instead of the just like almost gratuitous gore of Bauer wrapping himself in the like remains of the cannibals' victims, instead we could have gone like a similar psychological route with Bauer, like late at the very end, like fight scene, Bauer kind of starts to go crazy. I think that would have been a better option for the reactor scene uh, where he start kind of starts to go crazy when he has to creep among the cannibal monsters. So we'd get psychological with psychological. Right. We'd, we'd be like, like for parallel like. psychological trauma. Whereas Peyton Gallo is integrating his psychosis. We could have had like he's breaking it, apart symmetry. Yeah, Bauer splitting. Yes, and having somebody else show up like 
an alternate version of himself or whatever. I think that would have been a better move um, at this point rather than the gratuitous gore. Yeah. I'm. It may just be me. I'm not a gore fan. Well, we're, it's because the monster's losing shiny, right? Yeah. So the bonies have been... We, we've seen them several times now. We've seen a couple creepier versions of them. They've done creepy shit. But, you know, eh, after a while, they're... Okay, they're monsters. They're scary. We can make them scarier by making more of them. But we can't make them more than what they already right. are. What? We've already seen them. We've peaked. Mon- the monster storyline right. has peaked. You fully exposed, visually exposed the monster. Yeah, which we do kind of once we have ramped up with the dead body gore wrapping scene. Um, the cannibal guy who did not go down to the reactor with them drops his flashlight and wakes up all the monsters. Yes. Yeah. So that's another thing where we're stepping it up. We're ramping it up to try to match intensity in both storylines yeah so that's that kicks off bauer having to climb the ladder really quickly to get the to get to the control panel for the reactor yeah um and then which he just has to like beep boop beep and hold his little arm out and hey right like move some things around and put in a like that should have been an automated recovery (laughs) mechanism (laughs) Uh, maybe it was, you know, spoiler alert, 900 years ago. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not know that this this ship is actually 900 years old at this point? Well, you should have watched the movie. (laughs) (laughs) But the reactor discharge, restart, whatever, kills all the bad guys. Because, of course, you're sleeping under a reactor. That's what you get. Right. And that's probably why there's all the bulkheads down there, is to separate the reactor discharge whatever and right after that is actually when we get the sleeve rolled up tattoo merging scene yeah yeah that was a little it's bit all they're interspersed here i mean it's you know you're if flashing you, back and forth yeah if you lump all the flashbacks together and you lump all the reactor stuff together they're kind of happening happening concurrently so it makes sense to talk about them right and then as there. soon as the power's back online peyton gallo is able to just Go open the door to the bridge. Enter Pippin. Scritchy scritch. <laughs> uh, so he's, he immediately walks to the bridge. The rest of the team is leaving the reactor, but Ninja Guy got separated. Yeah. And he gets, he sees the, like, the baby cannibal monster uh, and is like, oh, it's just a kid. And so he... Oh, he has the big fight scene with the, like, leader. The leader that had their nose cut off. Yes, the no-nose leader guy. Where he, the no-nose guy actually rearms agricultural guy. He throws him a spear. Honorable combat. Yeah. Like, I want this to be a challenge. So Ninja wins. Kid shows up. He's like, oh, it's just a kid. So he puts his guard down. And then Kid whips out a sword basically and slices the throat open and digs in for dinner. And then we cut back to the A team or the B team, uh, arriving at the bridge. <laughs> well, actually creepy cannibal guy arrives first. That's and right. He greets Peyton. Like he knows him. Gallo, Peyton Gallo. He greets him like he knows him. He's like, Hey boss, I got them to the reactor. 
Just right. Like you said. I think he's just trying to be very familiar so that Peyton Gallo will be friendly to him. Okay. I don't think he actually recognizes All right, Gallo. That makes or more Peyton. sense because it gets a little squiffy if you don't know how long Peyton's been asleep and how long this guy's been awake. But it doesn't really matter because Gallo slash Peyton immediately just stabs him in the eyeball with a hypodermic needle. Yeah. Which kills him. The needle that he did not inject himself with. He did, though. Did he? Yeah. I don't think he's... I didn't get the sense that he successfully actually injected himself with anything. Oh, only that he had it, like, in his skin? Right. Huh. Like, he was close to, you know, injecting Gallo, which was himself, with it, but then he didn't actually pull the trigger. Oh, Because okay. Gallo took over before he pulled the trigger. That would make more sense. But then... Because this because guy really just gets stabbed in the eyeball. It doesn't really... Uh, there's there's like injection stuff kind of gooping out of his eyeball. Uh, gross. So I think that was the injection. I'd probably checked out of the whole gore phenom at this point. Yeah, it, yeah. it was. I'm not a gore fan. It was a little, uh, made it a little bit boring for me, <laughs> the gore. Uh, I mean, the whole plot's fine. I just feel like we could have had a little bit less blood and guts and we could have driven up the psychological aspect a little more. And it would have been a uh, a more nuanced movie. Okay, so then the B team arrives at the bridge. Uh, no sign of Peyton Gallo at this point. And uh, we have the the reveal that Bauer knows that Peyton is not Peyton. Yes. And so he says... Because he remembered. He remembered the wife. So he says... That's all I have. You were the one who received the final transmission. You stayed awake. You broke the rotation. You killed your crew. How the hell would you know that? Where are we? Uh, they're looking around the bridge a little bit, and then Peyton Gallo is in the captain's chair. Uh, he does kind of an exposition dump... Uh, to try to it. sell Bauer on going crazy. The scene is too long. Yeah. The scene is too long. I get where we're going. We're supposed to be seeing that, like, Bauer's finally losing it. Like, he's cracking. Even though he's known that Peyton was Gallo since he saw Peyton's wife's tube and he, quote, remembered whatever it was he remembered. <laughs> Thank you, Pippin. Um, he's he's losing it now. Like reality, his grip on reality is fading. Right. He's starting to Which, hallucinate. If we had peppered some references in or the idea that he was losing it a little bit more frequently throughout the like if we had done what you said. It seems pretty abrupt. Yeah, here. if we get a little bit more fracturing back in the reactor scene, this this scene makes more sense. It feels more tense. I don't really believe that Bauer's falling apart right in this moment. I mean, we get some creepy filmmaking. They're really trying to sell us on the idea that Bauer is losing it right here and right now. Not when he was wrapped in dead people's skin, crawling over monsters, trying to restart that. No, no. He had a job to do then. But he, the job is he done. He had a purpose. He had a purpose. And so now he's free to, I don't know, lose his shit. Whatever. Anyway, but um, this scene is too long. It's just too long. It goes on forever. And 
I just want Dennis Quaid to shut up by the end of it. And for some reason, Nadia's just standing there. Um, she does eventually attempt to fight back, but it takes <laughs> feels like this is the last 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> right. It, it's like the last like seven minutes of the movie, but it feels a lot longer. Yeah. And Dennis Quaid is just talking and you're just like, please stop talking. But we do get the cut to the um, floating display over one of the control boards. This is the mission has been going on for 923 years. Yes. And we get the big reveal that, hey, guys, they've been oh, on yeah. so, this whole well, time. Yeah, so uh, Peyton Gallo is sitting in the captain's chair, and he opens up the shielding over the, like, bridge front window, and he's like, just look. Like, he's completely snapped. He's He just wants to destroy everything because that's the only thing left to do because everything meaningful has been removed from his entire life. So uh, he's he just wants to destroy the ship and see it all burn. And so he looks out of the bridge window and he's and they're all like, where are the stars? It's all just black. And Peyton Gallo's like, yeah, see, the world's just gone to shit. The universe is gone. It, we just need to die, right? And then blah 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 blah. Way too long. And then we see some bioluminescent sea creatures. Right. We're underwater. On Tannis. On Tannis. And we have been all along for like eight hundred years. For like eight hundred years. And he's like, for a spaceship that doesn't float very well. Okay, whatever. Right. And Peyton Gallo knew. They were on Tannis. Right. But he chose violence. But he chose despair and violence. Violence and, and mutation and death and dismemberment and cannibalism. He chose a lot of things, but helping everybody get off the ship. and Hey, he could have freed everyone immediately, set up a little community, and declared himself king. Yeah. I mean, if you really want to... His rant is pretty much all about how he's free from morality because Earth died. And when Earth died, he was free to do whatever he wanted because God died too. So if you're really free to do whatever you want, do you really set up a situation where you could easily die? Although he's clearly locked himself in this room. In this, because he's trapped in that room the entire time that Bauer is out and about. The only way he gets out is when he resets the reactor and he's finally able to open the door. And that's right. it. The, the critical moment here is the reactor is failing. And so all of the ship's systems are not functional. Yeah. And so even Peyton slash Gallo, who has subverted all the controls on the ship so that he has all the power, even he cannot do what he wants to do right. anymore because he's let the ship degrade to this point. Right. Which is kind of a metaphor for late stage capitalism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, heavy I, I, I just came up with that right now. <laughs> Did you? I don't right, know. Just on the fly. You just threw that out at me. 
Uh, I don't know how well that analogy holds up. Okay, well, you, while you're Googling late-stage capitalism to make sure that your analogy fit, fit with it, um, I'm going to... I think that there is a scene missing with Bauer. There's a scene that we don't have because he says he remembers at Peyton's pod, Peyton's wife's pod. Yeah, M. Peyton. Yeah, who doesn't even get a name, first of all. She just gets... <laughs> Doesn't oh, even get a cameo. Yeah, this is Peyton and Mrs. Peyton. <laughs> we could have put her first name and Peyton as her second name, or we could have. Oh, okay, so that's interesting. Uh, on the on the flight crew hibernation pods, it's yeah. just their last name. Yeah, but then on his wife's Peyton's wife's pod, Mrs. Peyton, it was just M dot. Peyton. Right. Literally Mrs. Peyton. Literally Mrs. Peyton or married to Peyton or whatever. But no, we don't get a name. We just get Peyton's wife. But beyond that, he says, I remember when he's standing there. And then when he meets up with Gallo in the bridge, he gives him a little exposition dump about everything that he had done. And Gallo says... How could you have possibly known all that? So he he has some kind of knowledge he's not supposed to have. But we never clear up what exactly it is that he remembers. That's a good point. Because we, we don't ever get, did he wake up previously and get put back to sleep again? Is that why he's in there with Peyton? And so he would have remembered Peyton as Gallo because he... Or he, unless all three dudes, Cooper, Peyton, and Bauer knew each other. Right. Cooper, Peyton, and Bauer would have known each other from training. But why are their pods isolated like that? Oh, oh, okay. So, um, they, when, when did they do it? Um, they, they mentioned that the rooms rotate. And so there's, there's the bridge. The bridge is connected to the engineering control room. And then the engineering control room is connected to the flight crew room. And so I think there's like some room rotational thing that brings the, the next flight crew's hibernation room up to the door of the engineering room when it's their turn. And so you could have a large number of teams because we end up meeting somebody from flight team six. Right. And we established that there are three awake at a time. Yeah. Three people on each flight team. Each yes. flight team is awake for two years. And it was on Gallo's first road flight team four's first rotation. So flight team five has never woken up on the ship before. Right, so Peyton, Cooper, and Bauer would all be in a flight team. So right. yes, he would have known Peyton. Yes, he, he would. But he, he would, would have not known have Peyton. served with Peyton yet. Right, but they would have known each other from training. Right. So when he goes okay. to like the recruitment thing, um, there it's like nine hundred and fifty-three days until launch. Right. So he's had multiple years of training for this ship. Well, I feel flight. like that that's a better explanation than we got in the movie, so I'm going to go with it. 
This definitely, the theme of this movie is if we try just hard enough, it'll be creepy. Right. Because there's, uh, there's a lot here. And I feel like there's a lot more we could do here. But I think they had planned a sequel, but the movie kind of bombed. What sequel? How could, because in the end, the ship floods. So they. Okay, so let's, okay, let's yeah, cover up the up. end. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's the fight scene with um, Bowers kind of snapping. Uh, Peyton Gallo is uh, like choking out nadia and nadia is not really fighting back much well she's trying and she's trying to get him to shoot him but since bauer is suddenly 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 crazy yeah he shoots the like bulkhead bulkhead and it launches off off and chips the glass the glass and since they're deep under the ocean it shatters the glass and yeah so um Bauer and nadia go to bauer's hibernation pod which is also an escape pod and the ship recognizes a hull breach. Sorry, his hibernation. Well, the water is not... flooding in before the hibernation pod door closes. Right, but oh, as but they're, yeah, as as they're, they're going, going out, up, more water is the coming remaining in. air leaves. Right, and yet earlier when we had the Eden flashback and they ejected the pods, the one guy was like screaming inside the pod, implying that they did not immediately decompress. When they were launched out into space. Well, so this the, is supposed to be a space. Uh, that guy's pod, pod was not uh, 900 years old, also. Uh, fine. Let, let, let's call it material failure. Okay. Let's call it trying just hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, Bauer, I think, manually hit the ejection command so that Bauer and Nadia get ejected. You see them kind of rising up to the surface of the ocean. And then you cut back to the ship, like emergency uh, hull breach detected, um, evacuating all, all like living people. And so then a whole bunch of other pods show up. So they, they pop up at the surface. Why does the door pop off? <laughs> Well, you said maybe it um, detected breathable atmosphere. Maybe. I was just bullshitting. It, uh, <laughs> you? Me you? bullshitting? Oh what? Oh, my God. That's it. I'm out. I got to go. Our whole marriage is a sham. It's a sham. <laughs> my whole life has been a lie. I've been gaslighting you this whole time. <laughs> It's because it needs to. So we can look over so they and see the like see. circa 1995 CG waterfall that's falling from the... 2009, honey. No. That was ages ago no. in CG land. No. That is like some missed shit. Like I'm playing Th- a... That was at least Riven level No, you, CG. You remember when video games were like they'd take real people and they'd take like 12 positions of them and they'd just like... Shift them through the positions right. okay. to make so it look Mist like they were moving. Didn't have any moving stuff. Okay, okay. Well, Riven, which was the sequel to Mist, had a little bit more animation. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like they took like a still photo of a hill. I'm bullshitting again, by the way. Photoshopped, photoshopped it out, <laughs> like pasted it behind a CG ocean, and then took like 
<laughs> it's so bad, right? It's so bad. It's like, you know what? They blew their entire CG budget on that ship fly around at the very beginning. And the nuclear reactor discharge. Yeah, and that, that's it. Because that, otherwise, this is an elevator movie. We're in tiny enclosed spaces. The With all practical movie. effects. With all practical effects for the entire movie. Because, yeah, so they must have blown their CG budget and they were just like, hey, does anybody have a cousin that knows how to use uh, knows how to use Photoshop? Or After Effects. <laughs> or After Effects, because it's so bad. <laughs> we, we need a beachy looking landscape. Right. Ugh. It's... Okay, anyway, so they, they pop up on the surface of the ocean. Their cover pops off so they can sit up and see the picturesque beachy landscape. Which it doesn't. Okay, so it's a round okay. cylinder with no keel, but they both sit up and like rock Somehow around it in it. Somehow it still balances, right? And it right. still balances. Okay. And then, uh, and then we see all the other pods start popping up and their doors shoot off. These people still have all the tubes and everything in. <laughs> like they're okay. not they're not ready to sit up and like jump in the water and swim. But hey, nobody's gonna eat them. So bonus. No no humanoid monsters are going to eat them. <laughs> right. But we don't know about the life that's in the ocean. <sighs> anyway, then we then we have a a circle back to the intro sequence where we pan out and we get some text pop up. It says Tannis year, year one <laughs> in reference to the earth year no event population yeah. number. Oh, no, it's like population 1200 something. Yeah. Because that's all that's of the 16,000 people. There's only 1200 left. Yeah. Which luckily part of the ship is sticking up out of the water. So they can get back in to get to the seed bank. They can get back in to the seed bank so that they can destroy all life on Tannis and rebuild yeah. it from the ashes, just like yeah. Gallo did. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right. So hot take on this movie? It's good. I mean, it's a sci-fi horror. Yeah. I, I think I when I first watched it, I watched it again almost right away. And I enjoyed it. It's... It's a fun movie to watch. It's not necessarily, it's not internally coherent. <laughs> it didn't change my life. I don't feel like I'm going to be thinking about this movie except as like a, what the fuck? <laughs> but not in like a, oh, that what that made me think. This is not a made me think movie. This is a, I enjoyed my hour and 45 minutes. This isn't Prince of Persia. I don't want my hour and a half back. Just like he got his entire time back. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good. I mean, rewatch score, I'd say for me is probably like a six. Yeah. Yeah. If I wanted a good horror movie, I might put it back on. I might put it back on to watch it now that I know the twist so that I could see right, all the, see if there's any other yeah, details, clues drop. Pick out all the little, if there are any, the little breadcrumbs. I might do that again, but. I, I think I'd probably watch Event Horizon. Over this movie, well, if I was looking for a, a space better, horror, because it's a better movie, it's, <laughs> it, it's so, the the execution is so much tighter. It's fucking like, terrifying. They tried like so. Pandorum was like they tried just hard enough. Event Horizon was like 
everybody tried their hardest. Right. And they, like, the execution was really tight and right. good. Yeah. And I mean, you got star studded. There was, there was a little bit of gore. Like, one of the things I liked about Advent Horizon was there was just enough gore. Right. You get that at little, the right moment. Just, just a taste where you get that, like, there's a monster, there's a bad guy, but we're seeing it in its effects more than we're seeing it. And I think Pandora definitely tipped their bad guy hand way, way too, too early. soon. Yeah. Way too soon. We should have had the whoosh jump scare. We could have gotten the stabby, stabby knife through the boot locker. And we could have even... Without seeing the We could have even had like a shadow drags away Cooper's body. Right. Or, right. or have it even be dragged away by like a cable or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, that's a scary fucking movie. If we, but we see these monsters in the first 20 minutes and then they have to keep upping the game to keep them terrifying for the next hour and 25 minutes, yeah. which is why by the end of it, we're in an entire room filled with them because to make it scary now, you have to give numbers. Right. Yeah. Definitely. There is an art to the amount of monster exposure we get in a horror movie. And if you can, if your monster is terrifying enough that you can sustain that, that pitch of terror after they've been revealed, you can reveal them far sooner. But in terms of complexity, these monsters are not complex. I mean, they're cannibals, which is inherently scary. And they're, they're like, uh, modified humans. You know, you can have a monster that pops out sooner, but they gotta be a good monster. They've got to have more to them than just like sharp fangs, bony armor. You need more. You know what I'm saying? Yep. All right. What is your award for this movie? Okay. Uh, my award for this movie is Worst Chef. <laughs> <laughs> Where the, the cannibal guy, where they, they stumble into his uh, pad. His killing den. His killing den. Um, and he he just kind of talks them through while he's cooking them something. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what it is. Uh, probably either another person or a, a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because he says, uh, they don't get in here unless I let them. And unless I want them in here. Yeah, and Bauer goes, why would you want them in here? And he just kind of gives a significant look down to the bottom of the room. <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know, reasons. Use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your award? Okay, my award goes to uh, most unusual but effective casting of Dennis Quaid. Okay, yes. Yeah, we talked yeah, about this. Yeah, because Dennis Quaid has that joke. I mean, he has a jovial face, right. right? So we were talking about, he's kind of like Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. He always plays the good guy. And he's always a, he's a nice guy. Like he's, he almost always plays like a kind person. Yeah, he comes in with a, he comes with a built-in level of trust. I mean, Dennis Quaid pops out of there and you're like, oh, thank God. He's here to save the day. Right. He, he's either going to do the saving or he's going to be like the 
the sage support guy. Yeah. yeah. Which he starts out as. Right. Right. So he they, starts out the slow, off as the Gandalf. The slow descent into madness of Dennis Quaid is uh is really it's good. It's well done. He's like the biggest named actor at the time in this. I mean, the others have gone on to do other stuff, but I mean, Dennis Quaid was already Dennis Quaid. Right. So in terms of blowing your load on a uh, large name actor, Dennis Quaid was an interesting choice, but I think it, it works. I think it worked really well, especially with the the casting of another character as... So Dennis Quaid was actually Gallo the whole time. Uh-huh. He was... When he, like, Gallo got bored just messing with people on the ship, he put himself back into hibernation, but as Peyton. And he knew he would wake up with amnesia. Uh, And so it was kind of like maybe giving himself a chance to, like, uh, experience life as someone who didn't just do horrible, horrible things right? Um, for so long that he aged so much. But I think casting an actual separate actor as young Gallo versus aged Gallo. Peyton Gallo, um, especially with aged Peyton Gallo as Dennis Quaid. Yeah. I think that was a really, really clever casting move. Right. I mean, and the bait and switch doesn't work if they're both Dennis Quaid. Right. <laughs> if if it was like the um the de-aged Jeff Bridges from <laughs> Tron Legacy. Don't. Don't. Okay, we don't we de-aged don't de-aged Jeff it. Bridges. Stop it. Deep fake young Jeff Bridges. <laughs> it wasn't even deep fake would have been better. <laughs> it was a classic example of don't 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 try out an untested computer right. technology it wasn't ready then it wasn't ready and at least they didn't try with bruce boxleitner they were just like we're not gonna have tron take his helmet off this is gonna be fine right. we'll just use right. his voice um they they kind of did it in one of the x-men movies where they they de-aged patrick stewart and this was years later but it, even this was like <sighs> 2018 or something it was like days of future past i think uh and it was like it still doesn't really work like it's still in uncanny valley yeah definitely yeah all right well since we've meandered off topic clearly we're done talking about pandorum so you can find us on instagram at the strange and beautiful book club or on patreon at strange and beautiful book club uh, either one's great. I update the Instagram a little bit more, uh, but I do post new things on the Patreon pretty frequently as well. And there's a whole list of perks on the Patreon that I encourage you all to go check out because Matt is still. Soon there will be <laughs> a website and an email address. And, and a Discord channel. And a Discord channel. Where we will go and talk to each other if there's nobody else to talk to. Because right now, Matt's the only Patreon. And he didn't even subscribe to a tier high enough to grant, grant him access to the, to, hey, to the that's Discord coming, server. That's coming out of my flex money, honey. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Uh, remember, 
Sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. <laughs>